Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hello, everyone. I have two microphones. Which one am I talking into? <laughs> the one. This one right here. Okay. Hello, Sorry. everyone. Just recorded with the kids, so <laughs> everything's everything's up. If you'd like to get to know more about Awakening Reformation podcasts, we are a part of Rebel Alliance Media. Go to rebelalliancemedia.com. We have a podcast with our kids called Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids that comes out on Mondays. Our podcast comes out on Tuesdays. The Rebel Podcast with P. Nate and Chris Poots comes out on Wednesdays. And right now, Ben Emery is releasing a podcast called Redeeming History, covering the era leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. And that podcast is really, really good. So go check that out. Also, we have a Patreon now. Yes. If you are blessed by the Rebel Alliance Media and would like to help us continue to release our content and do more, head over to Patreon and look up Rebel Alliance Media, and we would appreciate any contribution you're able to give. For sure. And there's all kinds of different packages on there, different tiers of giving. I think you can even just do one-time donations as well. Yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping to have several ebooks and different series that we record and release only to our Patreon members. Mm-hmm. Merch is in the works, so probably the Patreon people will get first dibs Yeah. on merch. Maybe even some free swag. That's true. I mean, if you if you are a quite generous person, we'll just give you everything. Well, I don't know about everything. Let's I, not get carried away. I was away. vague on purpose. I said quite <laughs> generous and probably give you everything. <laughs> I'll have to clear this with the board first. Mm. Yeah. Nate and Ben. Yeah, Nate and Ben are the mega minds behind this thing. They're like the president and vice president. Essentially. Poots is like our boots on the ground guy. It's true. He's like our creative director. Yeah. So anyway, that's what's going on with the Rebels. Go check it out. Follow us on social media and subscribe in your podcast catcher, wherever you listen to this to. We appreciate it. And it helps us out a lot. Absolutely. So it's kind of late. So it might get kind of wacky. So this might be a funny episode, guys, because it's a little late for us, but we needed to get our recording done. Fun fact about the weaker vessel. After about 7 o'clock p.m., I become much more of a weaker (laughs) vessel. (laughs) So bear with us. But tonight we wanted to talk about God's law mm-hmm. and kind of more specifically the law about the Sabbath. Okay. We kind of just did that a little bit amongst ourselves as we were prepping. It's Saturday night. And that's kind of why we're recording so late tonight is that we were preparing ourselves for our Lord's Day tomorrow, our quote-unquote Sabbath day tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so we were going to talk a little bit about kind of how we do that and what we are doing to try to be more Sabbatarian as of late. So what is being Sabbatarian? What does, like, define that? If for someone who's never heard the term Sabbatarian, what does that mean? It just means that you 
on Sunday now, the first day of the week, technically on our calendar, first day of the week, are practicing the Sabbath. That what the Jews used to do on Saturday, Jews still do today, Mm -hmm. we now do on Sunday, which is don't work, you worship God, you go to church, and you basically focus on rest. It is a set-apart day. Right. It's a holy convocation, like the Old Testament says. It's a day of rest. A lot of people would just say it's a day that you rest from your ordinary labor. Mm-hmm. So we were doing a little bit of meal prepping for tomorrow. We have some friends coming over, and so we were prepping all that beforehand so that way we didn't have to do anything tomorrow. So we could just fellowship as much as possible. Getting... This is kind of like a process for us, too. Like, we we would love to get to a point where we could become more Sabbatarian. Yeah. Sometimes it's very hard to do because of just extenuating circumstances. Right. Life things pop up. Army things pop up. You have to work several weeks, several Sundays out of the month. Um, so, obviously, there's a few extra challenges that go along with that. Yeah, and just... Living in the 21st century, I think, poses a lot of issues with how we normally think Sabbath should go. Mm -hmm. It just almost makes it impossible to really completely rest. Mm -hmm. Anything we do on a normal day requires some sort of, like, Well, even, like, getting up, getting your kids and your family ready to go to church is work. (laughs) I know. Any mother with small children knows it is no picnic to try and get... Like, a bunch of little ones wrangled into a vehicle without stained clothing or yeah. someone crying and pitching a fit, toothpaste all over their button-up shirt that you just ironed. Like, there's always something. And I know a lot of American Christians really don't practice the Sabbath. There are some that sort of practice it, but then there are also some that are in kind of the Reformed Presbyterian vein mm-hmm. that are very, very strict. Yeah. And they make up a whole bunch of rules. Right. So. So straight off here, let's just say for our family, where mm -hmm. we're at in our life right now, we would love to get to a point where we could become more Sabbatarian. Right. And be consistent with it and Mm -hmm. all those things. Um, Where we're at now is very much just in as much as it is feasible for us, prep prep for the next day yeah that means like the kids outfits are laid out the night before everything's done the night before so my kids get up Mm -hmm. take a shower brush your teeth here are your clothes here are your socks here are your shoes Mm -hmm. like the fuss of it all is already taken out yeah and a lot of it is just being conscious of exactly what the next day is going to hold and not pushing any chores to the next day right getting them done today Knowing that tomorrow is the day of rest. Right. Today is, you know, the next day is supposed to be not filled with busy work that could be done today. Sure. And that doesn't mean that busy work won't pop up. Like we said. Manifest itself. Like your kid has a blowout five minutes before you walk out the door. There's going to be a little busy work involved with cleaning that kid up and getting them ready. Right. Um, And that's where like an act of necessity comes in. Like the Westminster Mm -hmm. would say, like there are exceptions to being restful that would be act of mercy act of necessity Mm -hmm. i think it's pretty merciful for a mother to clean up her child and necessary and we try to remember that jesus said the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath 
Right. And I think it was Doug Wilson that was explaining that God didn't establish the Sabbath and go, oh, shoot, I better make man so that he can keep this Sabbath I made over here. Mm -hmm. It was that he created man and then mirroring him who worked six days and then rested, he established that man would work six days Mm -hmm. and rest on the seventh. So really just that one day is rest from ordinary work. And then it's doing different things. Obviously, it also is our day of worship mm-hmm. where we congregate and meet as a as the people of and God. And that is the main priority if nothing else. Right. Um if you're just struggling to survive cuz you do have like a bunch of little ones mm-hmm. or something getting them to church might be I yeah. mean just great. You did it. Pat yourself on the back. Yeah. But there's a tendency I think in the human heart to create rules and parameters and mm-hmm. then say, okay, as long as I check these boxes, I've kept the Sabbath. But now right. you've just turned it into legalism again. Right. You've turned it into uh, the Pharisees where they were getting on Jesus for plucking a head of grain and chewing on it through the fields. Oh, you've done work. Yeah. You've prepared a or meal for yourself. healing on the Sabbath. Right. And then Jesus flips it and says, well, you forgot the greater things of doing justice and mm-hmm. mercy on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. which is what he was doing by healing. Right. So, so that's I, where we try to continue yeah. to keep ourselves balanced because I've seen a lot of people that go way too far and they, they'll post on Facebook that they are legitimately like remorseful because like they have family members that don't do Sabbath like they do and they get really frustrated and they ex- express all this turmoil within them. And I'm just like, this anxiety, you are losing the point of this. Yeah, this anxiety goes against the entire point of the Sabbath. Exactly. Which should be to be, like, restful. So yeah. sometimes, like, if you have, especially if you're caring for an elderly person, you know, uh, my yeah. dad just passed away in January. And at the very end, he was he needed a lot of care. And it was not even possible for my mom to leave the house to go to church. Mm-hmm. Or to do any, like, extra things. I mean, it literally took all of her time um, to just take care of him and and make sure that he was okay. So I think there are certain times in your life where being as Sabbatarian as you would choose to be had you had an option, uh, just it's not going to happen for you. And there's grace for that, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, and some people have jobs that require them to work on Sunday. And so that's why I said, I think... And this is where, you know, if I was before a presbytery and they're questioning me on my view of the Sabbath, I don't think the Bible lays out a hard and fast, it must be Sunday and no other day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That if that person is intentionally and consciously picking a day to not work and, you know, rest mm-hmm. and fulfill those um, blessings that mm-hmm. God's laid out for us to rest a day, then then that's good and right. You know what I mean? And they're finding a way to to worship. And that's why Doug and Nancy Wilson have always done their Sabbath on Saturday because obviously Doug preaches on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So he is working, quote unquote, quote unquote, on Sunday, even though he is still worshiping with his congregation and participating in the Sabbath like that. There isn't like much rest because he is doing his vocation on that day Mm -hmm. so they celebrate it saturday night the whole family gets together they have a feast and they will do like special bible games and i've heard um rebecca and rachel his daughters talk about how all growing up 
it was always a priority to celebrate the Sabbath in their home. And their mom went to painstaking efforts to make sure it was always something special. So she would fix their like little desserts that the kids loved just to make it extra special. And it was a day that the kids always looked forward to. Because that was the day I got my special dessert. Well, that and it was just like a time of rejoicing, like a holiday almost, you know, it was like a holiday that comes around every Mm -hmm. week. That was not how I grew up. Like we were not Sabbatarian. And and I just love that. You know, I love how the whole family gets together and they have people into their home and it is like a rejoicing, Mm -hmm. like this is the Lord's day. Let's rejoice. This is a a good thing that we can rest Mm -hmm. and enjoy the good gifts that God has given to us. And yeah, there is a lot of preparation that goes into that, just like any holiday. But that's why we love holidays so much because of all the preparation that goes into making that holiday great. Um, Growing up, we worshiped kind of like a half Sabbath because mm-hmm. no matter what, we were at church, you know, and my mom and dad did some sort of serving. Mm. But I remember growing up in them. Sorry, I'll stop yawning. But I remember growing up in them not allowing us to join Boy Scouts because once a month, Boy Scouts went on some sort of trip on the weekend that went all the way through Sunday. So we would miss church. And they told us, you're not missing church. Praise God for their foresight. In many ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no kidding. So it was kind of like half Sabbath because there was that emphasis of, no, this is definitely a priority. Number one, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as we left church, it was to Costco and to wherever else we were going to like go and get our provisions for, mm-hmm. which is like the complete opposite of one of the patterns of the Sabbath, which is. The Israelites gathering manna. Yeah. On the Sabbath was the day you were not to Supposed gather. to grab, <laughs> grab the food, yeah. Which is why we personally try and refrain from eating out on yeah. you know Sunday after church. Um, there's a greater emphasis in going home and eating what we have prepared. Or mm-hmm. if for some reason we didn't have something prepared, just try and find something that right. you know we can cook together as a family and make it enjoyable and make it a fellowship experience. One of the things I have done for the kids on that day is we don't outlaw TV completely but on that day it will be only movies or shows or something that are either about the bible or something that is encouraging them to learn about like a missionary biography or something like that so Torchlighters has some great stuff um there are a few other little ones that our kids will watch i don't know if they're the greatest but like Superbook, I think. Is yeah, they're them. yeah, they're hermeneutics are. Yeah, they're pretty dispensational. Terrible. So there's only a few episodes we let them watch. That. Yeah, <laughs> does more damage than does help. We're we're choosy. But other stuff that they would normally watch, no, it's the Lord's Day. Yeah, there's no I My Little them. Pony or Ninjago on that day. Exactly. But there are things that they get to do on that day that they don't get to do, like hang out with their friends who come over and right. eat a meal with us, or like there are, there are. It's not keeping yourself from joy. It's mm-hmm. expounding on joy and bringing in a in greater ways that joy. You don't on the days of the week. Exactly. So they get to see their friends at church and their Sunday school class. And then we do love hosting people in our home and like having a big meal with them and just making it a fellowship experience and like like a feast. Yeah, and back in the day when you would have to ride your wagon, you know, however many miles from your homestead to the church 
you spent all day there. You brought food with you. You would do worship, and then you would fellowship, and the kids would run around. You'd picnic all afternoon, and then you'd go back into the church for, like, your evening service. Mm -hmm. And it was a whole day. Now, I know that was, like, you know, American frontier, and you were very far away from all your friends the whole week. But going to church, inviting friends over, having a meal that you, you know, spent most of the time preparing on Saturday, I, I think it's cool that we're kind of mimicking that same model of just well, fellowship and... And it prepares your heart as you're preparing for the next day, too. You know, as you're mm-hmm. even just doing your chores, like finishing up laundry and as much as you can, or right. like vacuuming your floors or whatever. Like, you and you are preparing your heart because you're saying, I'm going to do this so that tomorrow yeah. I don't have to do it. And I can sit down, I can fellowship, I can minister to this person that I'm coming into my home and we're going to be discussing what's going on in their life or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. you really are preparing like a, to have a, a heart that's ready to celebrate the Lord's day. Yeah. And it's a celeb. It should be a celebratory thing. Right. It shouldn't be like, Oh, well, no, I can't do anything. No, I can't watch any TV shows. Again, you've missed the point. You've missed that's... the entire point. And if, that, if that's really how you're doing it, then you, then why bother? Mm-hmm. Like, if it's just making you depressed, then you've missed the point and now you've made yourself miserable and you're getting no blessing from it anyway. Yeah. God's not blessed by your begrudging submission. Amen. So some people will will buck against even keeping the law at all mm-hmm. because, and you heard something today. Yeah, I was talking with one of my very close relatives and she is dispensational. Yeah. So there's very much a difference in how we view scripture yeah but i love her and she loves jesus yeah a whole ton and i can't remember exactly what we were talking about but i just can remember her saying well that was in the old testament though so i don't really know if a christian should still do that and it led me down this whole you know train of thought of like man to someone who's dispensational like where would you even start where would you even start to have that conversation of being like why do you just unhitch the Old Testament? What makes you think that because it's in the Old Testament, it doesn't pertain to us anymore? So that's why yeah. we're going to have a conversation about that tonight. Yeah. Just the abiding validity of the law. It's a very, very good way to put it. Yeah, and popular, I hate even calling him a teacher or a preacher, but Andy Stanley is the one that has recently, within the last year, talked about how Christians should unhitch from the Old Testament, citing Acts 15 and the Jerusalem Council. But mm-hmm. but anyway, I think it's funny, even before I really get into any of this, that Jesus and the Pharisees are having arguments about Sabbath, like right away, but there's no teaching about the Sabbath. So what would where would we go to even learn what this is all about anyway? We'd have to go to the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So you you can't unhitch. You can't just ignore the Old Testament. You're not going to understand your New Testament. Right. So in Exodus 16, when God provided manna for Israel in the wilderness, he said, you gather it for six days. And on the seventh day, don't go out to gather it. There won't be any manna. And on the sixth day, gather twice as much. And that will cover you for the seventh day. And Leviticus says that God did this in order to produce humility. And it was it was meant to increase their faith because they had to depend on God for that one day. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you'd be eager in the middle of the wilderness 
to go seek for food every day. But that one day they were supposed to exercise their faith and trust in God. And that ended up being first the pattern for the Sabbath. Then in Exodus 20, when Moses gets the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment is to keep the Sabbath day holy. And then it's rooted in creation. Moses says, just as God created the world in six days and then rested on the seventh, so you will keep the seventh day holy and rest on that day. So since the fourth commandment is based off of the creative order, everyone who's created by God falls under it. Every, it applies to every single person who's created by God. If that commandment is just based off creation, it's not just based off Moses getting commandments at Mount Sinai, or if you're an Israelite in the wilderness, so it just applies to Israelites, mm -hmm. you know, because of the manna pattern. It's based in the creative order. So this is a commandment for all of time. Mm -hmm. That would be my understanding of that. If it's tying, if God's tying it to that event, I fall under that event. Right. Like everyone does. Yeah. How you interpret the commandment is different. Like we've been saying, there's people that I think go way too far. And then there's other... With the Sabbath in particular, you mean? Right. With how to obey the commandment. Mm -hmm. They go too far in restricting so many different random things that seem unnecessary. Like you can't even read a book on the Sabbath because it's for recreation. Exactly. Or, yeah, I've seen people forbid things that they don't like to do anyway. I don't... Uh, no TV on the Sabbath. And it's like, that's because you're a crotchety old man that doesn't like TV anyway. Yeah, that's because you're Presbyterian. But, that's the devil's box. Right. But but reading's fine. Well, that is your recreation. Right. So what are we doing here, you know? Um, and I don't even necessarily think recreation just means fun things right. anyway, um, as far as the Westminster language is concerned. So so the, I would say that you have to see that the law abides forever. When Jesus comes back, Hebrews 4 says we will en we will finally enter into our rest because our need for faith will be over. Faith will be gone, right? Mm -hmm. And in Hebrews 4, it says that those... It'll be realized. Exactly. Everything will be consummated. That will be when we finally enter our true Sabbath rest in Christ. But right now, our faith is still needing to be strengthened and it's still needing to be held together by the power of the Spirit. So now we still practice the Sabbath, just as the Israelites did in faith, trusting God to be our provision in life. Mm -hmm. So so what about people who just say, like, I know you kind of said, like, well, the, the law of God, the law, is, the law of God is so tied to the character of God, too. Yep. That it's hard for me when people say things like, well, that was the Old Testament, so I don't have to obey the laws of God. Um, I've heard some people say things like, well, all of the Ten Commandments are reinstated in the New Testament. That's why we know we have to still obey them. Um, that one just makes me chuckle. Yeah. Nowadays. Yeah. Um, Bestiality is not repeated. Yeah, exactly. Um well, maybe reinterpreted, you know, so it's like no sexual immorality oh, is what okay. they would say. So it got general. Yeah, yeah. We just kind of like smoothed it out, made it more vague. Okay. But because the law of God is so reflective of who he is and mm. his character, right. to dismiss any bit of the law would be to say that God's character could also change then, right? True. If you say that his standards are different now, somehow God is different now. Yeah. Because the whole point of... The law is 
is God saying, here is the way a redeemed people live. Yeah. So follow this law. And if you do so, you are living like a redeemed people who image me and love me. Yeah. Here's, well, your, here's your standard. Being called to holiness, you know, be holy as I am holy. Exactly. So, so to say that God's law could, I don't know, it sounds stupid, but like it could almost evolve or devolve, whichever mm-hmm. way you want to look at it, would also mean that God would have to evolve or devolve and change, which would make him not God, certainly. Mutable. Yeah. Yeah. And Hebrews also talks about Jesus being the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we know God doesn't change. There's no shifting. But this is just the problem with dispensational theology altogether. Right. Is that, is it... that God did change, essentially. Many I mean, times. Man, it's... The more we really tease out the implications of dispensationalism, it really is a heresy once you get yep. down to the bottom of it. And I know maybe some that listen to us still believe in dispensationalism, or maybe you don't know you do, but the implications of it theologically really are Vast. heresy. Mm-hmm. Well, God and it creeps change. into everything. That's the thing. Like, yeah. it, there's no safe place. There's no safe doctrine. Yeah, right. Dispensationalism is not satisfied with just eschatology. It wants to get into every avenue of theology. And because it's so pervasive, I think so many Christians don't even understand where they are believing bits of dispensationalism. Even Reformed Christians, I don't Mm -hmm. think they understand where they're believing bits of dispensationalism. Yeah, the two-kingdom theology of a lot of Reformed scholars and even some of the Reformed camps that are kind of disengaged from culture they may not admit to kingdom theology but they're essentially living like it Mm -hmm. it again is kind of the same idea and they're inconsistent in it because they might vote for a pro-life president but they won't go and pick it planned parenthood they'll say well i'm not here to change culture i'm not going to pick it planned parenthood but they'll still go out and vote for a pro-life president thinking i'm going to impact society for the better so they're not even consistent in it, really, because if you don't want to impact society at all, you wouldn't even vote. You just say God's got it all under control. Yeah, and just sit at home and... Do nothing. One of the big problems here with our close relatives just saying, oh, I don't think we have to follow that anymore, is terrible Bible teaching mm-hmm. in America. Because I grew up... the We both grew up dispensational, so we're not knocking on the dispensationals like, you're so stupid. No. We we also were stupid, and we are continuing to find places where dispensationalism has corrupted our view of something. Right. But the only teaching on the Old Testament I got growing up was just to look back and gain some sort of moral encouragement from a heroic act of someone mm-hmm. or the faith that someone exhibited, and then you're just supposed to be like them. Be and resolved like Noah, be brave like David, be... I mean courageous like Daniel and so teaching Deuteronomy that never happened you know teaching Exodus truly like what are the laws and what do they mean and how do they apply today there was no threefold use of the law you know a really detailed understanding of how the law is a mirror for us for to show us our sinful nature like even Paul says in Romans 7 I wouldn't have known covetousness except You know, I saw that Mm -hmm. do not covet. Now, all of a sudden, I'm coveting like crazy. And the second use of the law is the civil use. Like, this is what the magistrate is supposed to be following. 
which is what Romans 13 says that God has ordained. You sound like a theonomist. The governing authorities to be, to execute the sword, you know, and they're supposed to do that according to his law, his standard of justice. Mm -hmm. Not our own made up 51% of the population standard of justice. And then this is the big one that we ditch is the third use of the law is a guide for our sanctification. Mm -hmm. And like, even if there's a law in the New Testament that says, let the thief steal no more. Okay. But if I can go to the Old Testament and I can have all kinds of things about stealing explained to me, why wouldn't I want that explanation? Why wouldn't I want to go back and see how God sees different kinds of stealing and what you should do to someone who has stolen from you or how you should make restitution and all that kind of stuff? Like God detailed out a lot of this stuff. Why do we not Why wouldn't we want explanations? But I grew up not being taught any of that. Yeah, same. And then that's their passing comment is, oh, well, Jesus fulfilled it, which is a terrible exegesis of of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus fulfilled it, so we don't have to follow it. Mm -hmm. And Jesus never said that. I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, but to be its telos, its meaning, its Mm -hmm. substance. Right. Meaning... If you're in Christ, you can actually follow it and obey it now. Mm -hmm. So So what about those people who say, okay, well, then explain that to me. Explain to me in more detail how you say Jesus fulfilled the law and that he's the substance of the law. Got it. But now he came. So I don't have to keep the law anymore because Jesus did it for me. Well, it's the same argument in in Romans 6 where Paul is arguing with someone and they say well should i sin more so that grace may abound mm-hmm. you know well if you know jesus fulfilled it then i can just sin all i want i can break whatever laws that are. i'm under the quote-unquote law of christ which is just love god love your neighbor mm-hmm. but jesus is quoting leviticus when he says, well, and loving God is obeying God too, which Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. So if you're going to love God chiefly. Yeah. There's no way out of it. It's yeah. really my, my understanding now, you know, is really seeing how the Bible is connected and how everything Jesus said, he was connecting Old Testament stuff to himself. Mm-hmm. And so by him being the fulfillment of the law, it just means that now when you obey the law, you're seeing Jesus now. And it's all out of gratitude and love. You're not doing it to try to save yourself anymore, which is what Paul was combating. Mm-hmm. So when it says we're not under law, we're under grace, he's saying we're not following the law to save us. We're pleading grace mm-hmm. to save us. That's what he means. He doesn't mean we don't follow that anymore for our salvation. We follow grace because Romans, again, said that Abraham believed God and was counted righteous. He didn't follow God's law. Moses didn't follow God's law. Nobody followed God's law and was declared righteous. You'll never find that in the Bible. Right. It was always faith. But the law guides us in our sanctification, that third use of the law. Right. And so... There has never been one that was saved by the by obeying the law perfectly. Yeah. And before you're saved... Aside from Jesus. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Before you're saved, you look at the law and it's... Although a, he wasn't saved. He did the saving. Just want to yeah. throw that out there. Right. <laughs> Just to make sure before someone gives me an angry heresy. email. <laughs> exactly. Um, before you're saved, the law is a terror. 
the law is an awful thing that it ought to be for crushes sure. you. Mm -hmm. That's that first use. It's a mirror that shows you how sinful you are. But after you're saved, after you've received forgiveness and grace, Jesus said, you know, he who has been forgiven much, loves much. Now you love to obey him and follow him and whatever you want, Lord. That's what David said. David said, I love your law yeah. and on it. I mean, I just, I meditate on it day and night. It was a joy to him right. to meditate on God's law and to think about it and to just have mm -hmm. it envelop him. Yeah. And we're not saying this from a uh, high tower by any means. No, because a lot of times I don't like it. We are. Just to be honest. <laughs> Agreed. Our sinful nature still <laughs> really doesn't like God's law. Well, even tonight as we are prepping, it is work. Like the thing of the thing of celebrating a Sabbath mm -hmm. is that it's going to require more work. Yeah. It's going to require more back planning. Right. It's going like you're you can't go to the grocery store on you know whatever day you celebrate the Sabbath, preferably Sunday. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to go a different day. That doesn't mean if something happens that you can't go to the grocery store on this like on Sabbath. If you yeah. burn your dinner and you have a table full of people and you got to feed them, go to the grocery store. No one is saying. You can never go out to eat you know, a meal yeah. at a restaurant. You can never go to the grocery store. You can't uh, go buy engine fluid or something if your car yeah. needs. Like, it's not a law in and of itself that you can't do those things. It's yeah. a principle. Exactly. The principle is that you should try and do as little extra as you can mm -hmm. on the Lord's Day so that you can relax, enjoy the fellowship. Right. You can enjoy the good gifts and rest in the goodness of who God is and what he's given to you. Yeah, it's you do all that in order to free up time to to not not be busy, but to be busy with other things, with good things, with, with things, good things that, that you can't do every other day. And that are maybe work, you know, maybe playing with your child on the floor. It's a little bit of work. Yeah, you might be sweating, <laughs> but exercising, but it's a good kind of work, you know, yeah. so it's just like it's a. Uh, a shift from all the other days. Right. It's a principle to to guide your decisions, yeah. not to crush you when it can't be met according to your expectations, which so. I think is where a lot of people get hung up is that they lose the fact that it's a principle and they take it as yeah. like... The letter of it. Yeah. Yeah. They take the letter of the law rather than the spirit of it. Thank you for finishing my sentences because I can't. Well, we're married and we're one. And I'm tired. And you're tired. <laughs> So, yeah, we're we're constantly thinking through this and figuring out how best to be Sabbatarian. While and sometimes we fail at it. Sometimes, just to be really yeah. honest, we just, out of convenience, make a poor decision. So, confession time. And that's wrong. And, that, and that's wrong. <laughs> and, uh, and it is a process. Yeah. I think as our kids' ages change and where we live changes and just yeah. everything, like factors change in our life our sabbath will look different and that's yeah. why i think christians need to be gracious with other christians too and not just yeah, be like well, for sure look at that person i saw their car in the food lion parking lot on sunday right. i know they were at the grocery store how dare they don't they know that if they go buy groceries on sunday they're forcing people to work and break god's law Mm -mm -mm. Maybe the reason they're at the food line is because their kid has been up vomiting all night and they had to go get some medicine. Yep. I mean, you yeah. really don't yeah. know. And yeah. we just need to assume the best of our fellow Christians. Yeah, that's why I said earlier that living in the 21st century poses all kinds of variables 
that it's nearly impossible to accurately sort out for every single person. Mm -hmm. It is impossible to do that. Yeah. So. But it is something that we would encourage in principle. Yeah. To encourage you and your family to find out and to figure out how to practice the Sabbath and obey this. And the crazy reform people will even say that we shouldn't be celebrating any holidays which I disagree with, just yeah. throwing that out there, but we shouldn't be celebrating Christmas or Easter or any of the other right. quote-unquote made-up holidays, that the Lord's Day really is the only holiday that has been prescribed to us by Scripture. Therefore, every Sunday should be like a holiday. And I would throw out the first half of what they say, but I would embrace the last half when they yeah. say that every Sunday should be like a, a holiday for Christians. It should be a rejoicing celebration. Yeah. Like, this is... This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, and by the way, this is the day we get to worship corporately our mm-hmm. Savior. Right. That's awesome. So if you have any questions, please hit us up because we're kind of working. We're constantly working through this and we'd be happy to answer anyone's questions about practicing the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So hit us up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Yeah. It was a little bit all over the map like they usually are. Yeah. Yeah. We tried. In true fashion. We tried. (laughs) Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe and to follow us on social media and engage with us. We appreciate it. And we hope you tune in next week for another episode. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gain, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart. From original sin, the effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a Dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. Verse 1 is my thesis, it's the deepest Truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into Nicked Night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a second? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kind of like the wind, which is free East to west can't perceive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus.
wasn't for the spirit's mysterious operation uh -huh. We would all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1, yeah And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause, it changes our natural habitation The situation, it's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted so my dirt was inexcusable with new internal pupils, his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable, the land is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible, so let us respond with true worship and love to the God who was given new birth from above. Thank you.